Thank you.
by Nat Adderley, who comes from a distinguished family. It's called Fun. Fun. F-U-N, fun. That's um, something that you can do when everything is mellow. Actually, the only reason we played that is so that we could couple it with this other new composition of Nat's that's called Games because that's where it's at. Games.
Good morning, Vietnam. Uh, I'm very proud that the last song was from a very, very famous jazz bassist, Cachaito Lopez, Cubano, and Maduro. <laughs> and oh, um, still sounding here. And yeah, man, like I said, I bought that. I bought that record like brand new. Brand new is like a reissue from from a CD from the 90s, right? So that's why it sounds top heavy on the bass. He was an incredible bass player. I think it's funny you say top heavy. Normally when you say bass, I think bottom heavy. You're a, I, I say it more as a feeling, you know? Yeah. For me, top heavy means that. Technically, I don't fucking know. Everything definitely was more, more, was more clear. I will say the production on that, that last record was awesome. Um, in some production we talk about like how wide and how, how deep the sound is. That one, I felt like it covered the whole spectrum. You had highs, you had lows, yeah. you had stuff all around. Not all of the records we listened to were like that. Well, it's funny because we were talking about in the car on the way here about what studio, um, like, like, you know, against live playing, you know? And I'm pretty sure, like I said, this was remastered as shit in a studio, right? So there's a lot of uh, technical modulation. I don't know if it's mod modulation, but modification. If they're turning knobs, they're modulating. <laughs> Pan this a little bit to the left, that a little bit to the right. Uh, work with the EQ. You ever you ever, you ever produce a little bit and uh, play with the EQ? Yeah, yeah. Like, to get everything. I Ableton, like, dude. I Ableton. Ableton. I uh, Ableton. I Ableton. I have to buy Ableton. Dude, you're more than welcome to come and check it out. And I always Ableton is to me the number one because it always felt less of song arrangement and song composing, and to me it always felt more of like engineering, sound engineering, because it's so technical and everything. But like arrangement and composition is my home. Anyways, I have Cubase, which is a little bit less user friendly, unfortunately, and, and there are not as many YouTube guys. Well, I'm a shitty music producer. Uh, same. So <laughs> I, I, I dwindle on the decimal points, you know? I love just to see the decimal points and obsess mm -hmm. about keeping everything in the metric system or within a certain, like, equation, you know? Yeah. So well, one of the things I really liked, especially about that last song, was the, the mixing and the production. Well, not just the playing, obviously the play. But it felt like every part of the song had its own spot where it belonged. Like you mentioned the keys. They're really light on top. Subtle. Like you, you subtle. You feel them oh. more than you hear them, but they were so clear. Subtle. Subtle keys. Like and it was just at the end at the end of the bar. Just bra bra. Yeah. If that. So this ability to have something be quiet, but still very noticeable when everything else is going, especially if there's like a loud trumpet solo or something. That's really a... Uh, uh, a skill in and of its own right. Well, as a trombone player yourself, and as you proclaim in the car, you're you're always the best you could be. You know? Can you play the trombone with that type of feeling? Will you be able to play the trombone low, but assertive, like on a low tone? Because like I said, like, I love to have you here because I'm ignorant to these whole things. You know? Even though I love jazz, I'm completely ignorant to it. 
And that's why I love fucking hearing from you. And my question, like, again, like, I've always imagined that trombone is such a powerful, powerful horn, you know, such a power brass, you know, like it is in classical music, which I've dabbled a, a lot more, you know. They use it as a metaphorical sledgehammer. <laughs> I say that because I forget the piece. There's a piece where they actually have an actual wood hammer, like an actual sledgehammer. But yeah, um, you definitely can. This was the bane of a lot of players' existence. Like it's, it's actually on wind instruments very difficult to play this sort of intense, but like quiet at the same time. Uh, especially in live performances, this is not always easy uh, without microphones. Will you play, uh, when you play with a microphone hanging over? Like no, you, it's almost always on a stand. But if you're in a big band, where's the microphones hanging over, right? Um, if you're in like an orchestra setting where there's lots and lots of people, yeah. In some jazz settings, you'll have like two microphones for the trombones and uh, you'll set them up you know, a couple feet away from several trombone players in between. And when you solo, you pull it up to you. Mm -hmm. And especially, uh, I'm forgetting the names of some of the guys who really started this fad. Um, What's a fad? Just like, it became popular to do this. Okay. They would, Never heard that word. Instead of using the trombone as this big, a powerful fad. instrument, like, like you're talking about, they would uh, get up into, like, right on the microphone. So, like, the microphone is almost, like, inside the trombone. And then they just play like really soft, and they get this really kind of like breathy like. Can, can you mute? Feel. Can you mute a trombone? Yeah, Somebody do a trumpet? Absolutely, yeah. The mutes are bigger and a lot clumsier. Uh, and <laughs> is it still cork? Uh, they put cork around some of them. There's lots of different types of mutes. Um, it's a little bit more annoying than the trumpet as well because the trumpet's easy to hold with one hand. The trombone. You're using, if you know the trombone, you're using one hand to move the slide, and then the other hand is the one that holds the trombone. So now it's just kind of balancing on your shoulder, mm -hmm. which is not optimal. You can't just shove it in and then leave it, though, uh, like a straight mute. Uh, I can how much does a, a mute weigh? There's some that aren't too much, that don't weigh too much, and then there's some that are like... So just the, the not being in balance... Not having the balance, is it just in a general sense like a violinist who say the same thing? Like I didn't have well balance because of X, um, or is it you're saying that the balance really does fuck with your slide when you're playing the trombone itself? I don't think it messes with your slide. I think it just uh, because especially when I started playing the trombone, the very 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 beginning, I was a converted trombone player. I played trumpet, How old were you? Trumpet and horn. I don't know. 14, um, you, you have your left arm really up in close. Mm -hmm. So like you're flexing your bicep and if you're not careful, you get really, really tense. And so you get you, cramped. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you get a great pump, but like, um, <laughs> got a lot, a lot of bananas in the green room for yeah. potassium. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to be said about this, but it's not good to always be tense. You know, you should be relaxed and this is part of how you get that that sound where you get the microphone like right up in the microphone you and you can like, muffle and almost. You get this, yeah and you get this really warm sound and you can even play faster because you're more relaxed mm -hmm. and it, it, this whole style just it works um, but yeah if you put a mute in depending on your trombone depending on the mute uh, 
Maybe it gets a little bit tiring. I don't think you'd have a mute in for a long duration piece. What's the biggest mute? What's the biggest mute that they make for brass? Do, do they slap uh, a mute on a tuba from I, time I, to I, time? I've seen it. It's this big web, <laughs> and, and you put it in the top because the tuba like it faces the sky. Yeah. Uh, and then you just like lift it in, kachunk. It's. Um, Does the tuba lay on the floor? No. Uh, you hold the tuba on your leg, and it sits like in front of you on your legs, and it's just very long. There's no brass big enough to touch the floor, right? That they lay it on the floor, or is there? I mean, you played the... Uh, uh, shit. I mean, there's, there's some weird I, stuff. I only know there. the old name for it. Uh, there's, some, there's some weird stuff out there. Uh, well, looking at you contrabass saxophone. Excuse me for my draconic terms, but the only way I know this instrument is by the old word, and it's the fagot. Um, Isn't the fagot, doesn't the fagot I go on the floor? The German name for a bassoon. Um, the bassoon, doesn't the bassoon go on the floor? No, uh, it, it, it gets close to the floor, but I think you hold it next to you. That's uh, also not a brass instrument, it's a double reed. Push up my glasses. Um... <laughs> I thought it. I I I just said it brass because you blow into it. And that's woodwind, or or wind. Sorry, wind instruments. Wind instruments. But wind. does brass fall into wind instruments? Yes, but uh, like oboe and bassoon, those are. Is a flute brass or wood instrument? Technically, we say woodwinds, even though it's metal. And well, that's what I would say. Uh, um, uh, somehow, I was thinking more, more about the wooden tip. Yeah, there's no wood on a flute, I don't think. But for yeah, example, is a saxophone a brass or a, a, a woodwind? The I saxophone. Would, if, I'm, if I'm like doing a sort of classical or like, I don't know, school band music, I call it a wind instrument. Um, that's a technical question. I'm not a saxophone player. I'm trying not to give a biased answer. Absolutely not. We get some re some person write a really strong word on email to stay FM. Uh regarding the sax, the sax was invented by a man a man named Sax in Belgium. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I have a lot of hot takes on saxophones that we might not want to uncork on air. I don't know. What's your hot take on sax? I don't know. Like, they kind of Wham. They kind of sound like ducks a lot of the time. Oh, I don't know. it's not very, not not very regal. I feel like you. What really does what do you mean hard. with regal? What does regal mean? How do you mean? What's regal? I don't know. Like a king walks in, he'll play a saxophone, he'll play a trumpet. Oof. That, that's that, uh, that, that's that's, that's a that's a really 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 good way to put it. That's uh, altmodisch, as the German would say. What's that? That's um, anachronistic. Did you ever see uh, a trumpet of? I mean, when you say the king walks in and they play a trumpet, I imagine the classic long trumpet. Yeah. You know? Do you, do you ever see someone play that in a band? Or in, in old band, classical? No. My, my old high school actually had one. We, we dooted around on it a little bit. It was all right. Remember how I was saying to you that um, the trombone has seven positions? Yeah. And so you have more than seven notes. So what happens is you blow the air a little bit faster, and now 
the, the tone changes. And now you have seven notes before you blow a little harder. Now you have seven more notes. Mm-hmm. It's not like harder, but the, the pitch is higher. Mm-hmm. The note is higher. Um, on those, there are no slides. Slides, there are no valves on the trumpet. Mm-hmm. Seven combinations. So it matches with the trombone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just purely breath work? Yeah. So uh, you blow into it and you have one note. So you blow harder and you get a second note. And um, there's a lot of physics behind it. What? It's called the harmonic sequence. What's it but called when people get those things in their cheeks from blowing brass and horn and trumpet when their cheeks pop? Puff up? I don't know the names. Like I said, the only person I, I know who has that is Dizzy Gillespie. We're all taught to like not do that. Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Woody Allen has one in his neck so look like his frog when he plays the clarinet. Yeah. So you're saying? Uh, I, yeah, there's a lot of physics that go into it, but it's a lot harder to play notes on a, that kind of trumpet where it's just long and straight. No, no, I'm saying you were saying about the sax. Oh, yeah. So it's not uh, regal enough. That was the word. So it's not regal enough. But like, no. is jazz supposed to be regal? Is jazz yeah. regal? But like, uh, one, one thing I, I see, I really want like a, like a, a good like warm-up song uh, or something like that. Uh, I might pick something with some brass in the background. There's some, some like hip-hop or other songs with brass, and it goes pretty hard. I don't know if I want something that's more like that kind of high energy, kind of like okay. badass. Yeah, but like, to be fair, fun. yeah, Imagine but to be fair, there's a place and there's a place and music for everything. Definitely, you know. We we listened to a, a whole lot of saxophone today, but all I'm saying, and this is for everyone at home. Imagine you were listening to. I don't know, the Avengers soundtrack. You're watching the Avengers, and instead of a French horn playing the melody, it's an alto saxophone. <laughs> an it's alto not saxophone. It's just not, not the same. Not a baritone. No, no the, the, the Barry sax is the coolest of the saxes. I mean, it, but, it, it, but it, that's the sax we hear the most. You think wham? Tenor, tenor. Is wham, yeah, wham is a, uh, is a it would be a tenor. From wham? I have no idea. I don't know when. You Dude, um, no, bro, wham. Um, we, with George Michael, the famous song. I purposefully avoid George Michael whenever possible, so I... I do not... too, man, but like this, uh, it's the most, it's his number one, what's it called? I never want can't you see, I got no rhythm. I, I just assume all the slow jams have a tenor sound. Because the tenor sax is a little bit alone. Lots of porn. High. Lots of porn. Okay. Cinemax and HBO, those after was softcore porn, they were all sax. Like if you were if you were to take a soundtrack from those softcore porns that they were playing Cinemax and HBO. Favors, I think. Dude, believe you me, I bet we'd be surprised because you have someone who plays the sax who just goes like on 20 minute long rants on a sax. Just... And I think that's like the bane of everybody's existence, but uh, <laughs> except for maybe sax players. <laughs> but um, by the way, believe you me, that's a that's, that's a very German sentence construction there. Believe you me, ah, uh, my but, my friend from Indiana, 
I got that from my friend, from my, really? my best friend. He's no, he's not from Indiana. He's from Miami. But his mother, she's from Indiana, you know. Okay. And so, uh, although Michael is half Cuban, you know, I see Michael as a, as a countryman from Indiana somehow. Michael's more of a countryman from Indiana man. And, and he would always say, like, he would look at you, spread his huge skinny fingers out and go like, believe you me, sir. <laughs> Americans are weird. Beautifully weird. Ever since I started teaching English, I take a much more... I don't know, like clinical approach to the language. And I talked to my friends from back home I haven't talked to in a while. I'm like, dear God, do we all sound like that? <laughs> I had a, I was a substitute teacher once. And the, the normal teacher for the class is where? Irish. Uh, I'm an English teacher, so where I work. Um, uh, not in the school, it's a private firm. And uh, the Irish teacher told all the students that the Americans can't speak English. So I came into the class, and I said, welcome to English class, blah, blah, blah. And um, one of the German guys was sitting there, and he uh, only spoke in German, and I asked why, and he said, oh, uh, the Irish teacher said none of the Americans can speak English, so I'm speaking German. Oh, my God. I can't tell who got me harder, the Irish guy or that guy. I'm, I'm, uh, how do you react? I'm like... How do you react? You you should be like, you you ever heard of a little thing called hip hop? I disconnect from the teams. <laughs> you ever heard of a little thing called hip hop, kid? We everywhere. We everywhere. That's the shittiest English in the world. <laughs> we everywhere. Americans. Um, wasn't Patton the one who said, "Blue jeans and rock and roll." Patton, you mean like the general? Yeah, like he said like, "You want a big communism? Fly over." And drop cases, boxes with blue jeans and rock and roll. I'm I'm gonna burst your bubble here. No rock and roll in the forties. I'm pretty sure Pat he, died. Dude, right he after said the that war. a long time after that. I think he died pretty soon after the war. He did? Yeah, he was uh, not that healthy and uh, not When did Patton die? Because no, if he wasn't Patton, it was an George Patton for all of you guys out there. Uh, one of the most controversial of American generals for yelling at soldiers with PTSD and slapping soldiers with PTSD and uh, ordering war crimes, potentially. <laughs> was, uh, they, they thought about relieving him. Uh, let's see. So when did he die? I'm looking up whoever said that. You want to win against communism, fly over with a plane, and get, get, give them jean, um, blue jeans and rock and roll. Yeah, George, George Smith Patton Jr. died December 21st, 1945. He didn't even survive the year. Well, pff, I stand corrected, ladies and gentlemen, but it was for sure. sure. It, 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 was, it was one of those guys. Dude, but yeah. Blue jeans and rock and roll. So, on, on a premise, what the fuck were we saying? That it's like blue jeans That's and rock fun. and roll? No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we uh, we don't have a plan here, so never do. We, we just vibe. Ne- never do. Just never vibe. do. Oh, um, this segment is brought to you by Marie Hausbrandel, Helles. Sue me. Oh, 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 oh! I have another thing. Um, you do run into this sometimes with trumpet players. Uh, I would argue, as a trombone player, you never run into this with trombone players. But actually, since. Uh, started a little bit before John Coltrane, but John Coltrane especially, 
um, created this kind of almost mathematical approach. Yeah, rant, rant. And this is, uh, <laughs> I feel like, almost more specific to saxophone players, where they, they come up with lines, and they are very technical. And this, there's a lot of thinking that goes behind this. And, uh, of course, it must match the genre and the song. So there's a lot of work that goes into it. And then they just sit down, and they practice, and they practice, and they master these licks, these lines. They're just so long and complicated, and there's so many notes. And I would argue that it's not great to listen to, but um, they do it all, if you watch them live, with like just a straight deadpan face. Like, if you watch them live, they're not entertaining to watch. They're so they're they're so consumed by the um, I perfection. Say, I wouldn't even say consumed, but they definitely look professional. I mean, what's looking professional when you play? The, they they do when they play. They look like this is just another day at the office and this is normal. I don't know. I go to a jazz club and I see a guy shredding, sweating. Yeah, dude, he's he's killing it. He's doing like he's playing the best solo I've ever seen. I want him to look like he's either having fun. Or like he's at least like trying, so I feel better about myself uh, when I stand up and play a solo that is significantly worse. Like, but um, but like like when they they just look they just look like a robot, mm -hmm. and they finish playing and it's like holy cow that is one of the best things I've ever heard. But like, so why is he sober down? Mm -hmm. What do you what would you say? If you watch that, it live, there's no excitement. Yeah, yeah. No but like we're talking about John. And like yeah. and John is a it's it's more than just a name in jazz. You know? Mm -hmm. So what what gives him that spot in jazz? I think he's one of the the first guys to sit down and be this technical and be this thorough. Um, I don't know. Uh, this is where I would ask my jazz professor at university, who I'm pretty sure prayed to John Coltrane every day and had a shrine to him in his house. <laughs> But um, what was his name? Uh, shout out to Glenn Cashman in Hamilton, New York. <laughs> Goes back and forth between. Uh, he, he's actually a, a rare guy because he he'd play on uh, East Coast like New York City, go down to Baltimore sometimes, and he'd play West Coast in L.A. Not all the well now guys nowadays more guys do that. Back in the day, that was less common. But he had a, a whole band dedicated to Coltrane at, at one point uh, under his control. And uh, so very much, uh, I don't know, like a school almost. There's a, a kid who went to high school not far from me, uh, Eric Nakanishi. He was a... Shout out to Nakanishi. He's uh, not at our high school. He's like our rival high school. We were not there. They were not. That's such an American thing to say, like a rival high school. Uh, Jeff, like, I think like that too. But we <laughs> tried to compete with them. They did not even think about us for music. Anyways, that's how it went. Um, and they, uh, he was the lead saxophone player. And I think Downbeat Magazine rated him. This is probably vastly overblown story. Nothing like this happened. <laughs> But uh, someone told Nakanachi, me, what? Uh, not quite. Someone told me Downbeat Magazine listed him as like one of the best scholastic, so like school or university mm -hmm. level saxophone players like in the country. And he was actually playing professional gigs when I when we were in school. So I went to watch like my teacher and some other teachers play a gig, 
professional gig where they get paid money, and the student was there playing in the band with them, and uh, he finished a solo, and he looked so dead, just dead inside. I don't know, I don't go to, like, watch music and have a good time, and then I watch the guy look dead inside, and then I'm sad. So <laughs> no he was playing the sax. Yeah. So... I got this where they all started this conversation. You were saying how you feel about the sax. Yeah. Then we jumped into John Coltrane that you're not a fond of. Or like... Oh, that's fine. Uh, I, I perfect, like... But the, the root of the problem here is the sax, man. As someone who studied a little bit, like, I can respect the art, but that doesn't mean I must enjoy it. If you know what I mean. Yeah. But... I mean, he's, is all it, time, he's an all-time classic is, is for it, a reason. But. Is the jazz a must in a, in a jazz band? Yeah, is the sax a must-have in a jazz band, in your opinion? If you have a full jazz band, then yeah. No, 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 no. Not a, call, it, call it, you do a, a, a quartet. A quartet. A quartet. Is no. it, what goes into that quartet, then? Uh, rhythm. In, in your ball, idea. Um, bass. You can substitute a bass with a really good piano player. Fair. But uh, I personally like bass, keys, drums, and then another instrument. Guitar, horn, whatever. Guitar? I'm good at a guitar. Yeah. Because then all the instruments other than the, well, not even the bass technically, could play multiple notes. There's a lot of flexibility. I think the first piece we played was a quartet with a guitar. Maybe it was a quintet. I don't remember. Um, but like you were playing trombone. No, 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 I'm talking about the first song we played. Oh, okay. I thought you were telling yourself. What was the first song we played? Um, this we kind of just grabbed random stuff. Like that. that was the first song we played. A song for my father. It's a trio, not even. And that trio had organ, guitar, drums. Organ, guitar, maybe, maybe drums. Maybe one song had a, a feature. So the keys, like like you were saying, are acting as that bass. Yeah, because uh, you have the le the bass in the left hand, and then you put like the melody and the harmony in the right hand, and like sometimes you can take a break to play chords. I don't remember the first song that well, if I'm being completely honest. But um, boom, 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 boom. Like I told you. <laughs> So there, because a lot of the bass work, boom, 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 mm -hmm. it's uh, a little bit repetitive. It's not a walking bass line. No. So he can definitely play the melody in the right hand and then the bass in the left hand. Um, so that's uh, very doable. But like I said, I've watched professionals. They play a full walking bass line in like a fast swing song and they improvise in the right hand. So for those of you at home, they are improvising two different things in, on different hands. There is no music. Well, they are given like a chord and a chord progression that they just know. Mm -hmm. But like it's just so natural. Would they get for an improvisation? Does normally is it common for improvisations to have kind of like, all right, we're going to do uh, 64 bars and then this um, that we're gonna do and, and then change or like or go here you know, like a realm for is it more co common to have a realm for um, 
um, uh, improvisation, like a window for improvisation that is it's a, it's set normal. out, or is it a more not? I don't want to say common in a in a jazz band because that's redundant. Well, but so in a general sense, it's more common to just be completely freehand jazz within a band. Um, when it comes to let's do an improvisation completely free you really need just a couple people um, there is a form normally unless you're doing really free form jazz mm -hmm. shout out to Spongebob for introducing people to free form jazz Spongebob uh, that's a reference um, <laughs> I'll show you the YouTube video afterwards but um, uh, not Spongebob and I've lost my train of thought Um, there's a form. Dude, there's exactly, there's so, a form. Especially with, like, song for my father, etc. Um, the melody is so long, and normally you will take that amount of time, that amount of measures, and you will solo over it. And you will solo over the same chords. You might change the chords a little bit. And yeah. then you say, I'm going to do, like, four choruses, which means you, you're going to solo over that length four times. Mm-hmm. But in a jazz club, especially if there's only like three, four people, you can literally like while you're playing, just turn and look at the guys and like signal to them like I want more. I wish I would have played. I wish I would have played that record about today where there's uh, from Bill Evans mm -hmm. where it says summer of uh, of summer something improvisation, you know. Yeah. And I did try. I did put it on the record player, but like, bro, it sounded so. Uh, it sounded so fucked up. Like, mm, okay. you know, something I have to. Listen to my crib. You have to work out what is actually listenable. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, but that's a shame. um, so what's what's the next radio show that comes? What's the name of the next radio show? Afterwards, there's some live shows where you can also. Oh, so we can't plug another show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's no coming. There's not another no, show no, no, coming no. at ten. All right, all right. So I was trying to cut out. Um, so, like, you know what we should do? Then, if we have time and do whatever the fuck we want, let's play a fucking song, bro. He wasn't joking when he said he'd be going late. Let's play... No, I'm saying let's play a song to sign this shit off. Oh, yeah, 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 let's do it. Let's play a song to fucking send this shit off, mate. I gotta go home. I gotta play Dark Souls, dude. <laughs> The fuck? You gotta sleep, you got a game tomorrow. Oh, dude. I have to be there at 10. I can, I can manage my time to get a solid eight hours. Um, so, man, let's see if there's any... Oh, for sure. I'm gonna play this yeah, to sign us off. Um, this is my favorite record of all time. The, my, the, the best record I own. And this is a psychedelic jazz record uh, from the 60s. Um, by Fidel Castro's third in command of the Cuban Revolution. His name was Juan Almeida. So, on that note, let's see what it was going on in Cuba in the 60s after the revolution when you had that type of accessibility to art. Yeah, you told me this album has uh, everything. Ah, so very complex. Very complex. Um, stay in and listen. Stay in and don't. But whatever the fuck you do, fucking donate. 
I say that every fucking time. And, and if you give a dollar for every fuck he drops, <laughs> Stay FM, sorry, a euro, we're in Europe. You drop a euro for every fuck he drops, Stay FM will be a, drop a dollar. A long time. The oil barrels will stay in the dollar. Thank you, Eli. Peace.